Welcome back to Baritone Podcast. My name is Lucas, and I am one of the producers of the show. I want to fill you in a little bit on what's going on with Baritone. Um, this is our second to last episode of the year. Uh, Anthony and I will be doing a recap episode, reflecting on our experience this far and, and talking a little bit about what's in store for next year and season two. But I'll just say this, there are some exciting doors that are being opened for the podcast as far as um, guests and potential guests and opportunities for um, some really cool interviews and some really cool interviews we've already recorded. And we, you know, we're just excited to keep doing this and keep experimenting with ways to make it better. So uh, thank you to everyone who has been listening and giving us feedback. That's super helpful. And, and you all are great. So thank you guys. But today, today we have an interview with Weston Skaggs for you. Um, Weston is one of the first people to record at Old Bear and his project Joy and Sorrow Meet kind of paved the way for a lot of things to happen at Old Bear. Um, he's a cool guy with a, a very gentle and, and calming demeanor, which I find uh, very refreshing in today's chaotic world. So here it is. Enjoy and thanks for listening. So how does it feel being one of the one of the first old bear folks? How does it feel now that it's growing and it's I'm an elder statesman now, um, a veteran. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see how God has taken things at old bear from early on, like being one of the first projects there, and like hey, we're figuring things out, and we're still all figuring things out, but. Um, it's a beautiful thing to now see this be like a tribe, you know, and, and people keep people, uh, new people keep getting brought in and, and it grows and, and it grows in influence and in favor with God and man. And, uh, it's a cool, yeah, I think of the song out of the wreckage was the first, one of the first songs that we tracked at old bear. And you recently actually sat down with, um, Rich Kirkpatrick, who does mm -hmm. our Bear Tracks blog, and kind of talked a little bit about the beginning, you know, like you're sort of the, you mark a beginning for Old Bear. Um, maybe you can just share a little bit about Out of the Wreckage, um, particularly in the in the blog. So go check out the blog if you haven't. Go to the website, oldbearrecords.com, click on Bear Tracks, and you can see Weston's uh, interview with Rich, but, um, so in the interview kind of talk about like what the song is about, but maybe for this question, maybe it's more about how you felt the process was going to be when you first walked through the doors, maybe some thoughts you were having, um, in the moment, mm -hmm. because it was sort of yeah. like, we all just kind of got grouped together and I don't even know. I didn't even hear, I never even heard the song until, the scratch track was being laid down. So as yeah. in the control room, it was, uh, it just happened. I organically, like there's, it's a buzzword. So I try to avoid buzzwords like that, but it's so true. Like it just, it just happened. Um, I had been talking with you and with Chris about coming up sometime and writing and, and, uh, hanging out and, and seeing what happened, uh, between us. And, uh, 
And when I came up to the uh, the studio, I had this one song in my pocket that was like this. It was done, and I don't know exactly how this transpired, but I think the idea was to film like a live take of it for like film a live video and then maybe release that as a single or something was kind of how we had talked about it. Um, but I don't even know if the, if recording the song itself beyond making like a video of it was in the works. And then we were there at the studio and, uh, and you guys were like, okay, well lay the song on us. And so I played the song and, uh, Everybody just kind of gathered around and, and, you know, you picked up a guitar or sat down at the piano and Jeremy picked up a guitar and like, uh, it, that was a really special moment for me because, you know, of everything that went into that song of, um, and you can look at the blog about, um, uh, Rich did a great job of like sharing about everything that we went through and in, in coming around to that song uh, with the struggles that, uh, my wife and I had gone through and, and nearly losing her and things like that. And so it felt like nearly losing your wife when, right. Yeah. Nearly, nearly losing your wife, Amy, uh, right after Paisley was born. Right. She nearly passed away. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then we went through infertility, uh, and, uh, things like depression and post-traumatic stress from her nearly losing all of her blood, uh, after the, after the birth and stuff. And, uh, it was really scary. And, and so we were really, our world was really rocked and really unsettled. And, uh, so it was, it's a frightening thing to then bring a song that comes out of a period like that and be presenting it to other people. And I felt really like nervous about how it would be received or apprehensive and, uh, the old bear crew, you guys were just like gathered around me and like it connected with you guys. And you were like, yeah, wow. We, you, you were, had ideas for it and how we would do it and like hit the ground running with it. And then, um, so we were going to like do, do a live video or something. And, uh, instead, um, everybody kind of gathered around and we're like, is it okay if we just record this today? Cause I think we got a cool thing going. And so they just, you know, hooked up the mics and, and plugged in and, uh, and away we went with it. And then we had the single and it just came out so smoothly. And that's how everything kind of at Old Bear has, has happened. Then once we, um, once things went so well with recording that track, we are like, well, we definitely have to do an album because this, this was awesome. That I'm not alone in this fight And out of the wreckage I'll rise The battle may rage But my hope is in Christ And out of the wreckage I'll rise Ooh, Yeah when I when I listen to that song, it it yeah I I really like that song because it reminds me of that that time because like for me it was that that your music video to Out of the Wreckage was the first uh, video I ever did. yeah I was gonna mm-hmm. say and I it's know. yeah it's just birthed like a lot of other things in my life so yeah. it's cool to see how your 
story has affected other folks too. And your your art of of capturing that uh, that moment with us kind of in the round playing that song, like it's just it's wonderful to be part of a group where like our art is serving each other and like you know uh, what you do and what uh, Sarah does, Sarah Bridgman does, you know, like it all builds on each other, you know, and, and so yeah. then uh, so many people have seen, uh, the music videos that you've worked on, uh, based around these songs and stuff. And it's like, it's building up what, uh, what my ministry is doing, but it's also building up what, what you're doing and creating mm-hmm. content as well. So it's a, it's a blast to be doing that. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Weston, when Weston came, um, I mean, you kind of paved the way for us to try a bunch of different things, but one thing in particular was Luke had an opportunity to, I think, shoot one of the first music videos in the studio, and that being, and there's a couple of them now, so there's like Lay It Down and Out of the Wreckage, and is there another one? Let a song go out from my heart. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's blush too. Oh yeah, right. And then um, that's a cool one. Yeah, that one was fun. Yeah, and so that it's and it's kind of interesting because that was like Luke did those videos, those um, music videos, um, and then you mentioned Bridgman, who's our creative director for the label, and all of her influence just in creating the covers and the mm. art you know, art behind it, which we're hoping to have a episode mm-hmm. with her pretty soon so yeah. that we can kind of get in her mind. But, um, so what, uh, talk about where you were at that point. Cause you were in, uh, college at that point. Yeah. And you were in a lot of courses, you know, yeah, which you were building out of, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, I was in, I think my second year of college and, one of the things that the program I was in that was cool about it is that they would allow us to rent out a bunch of equipment, but there was only like 10 people in my program and it was like uh, communication media arts. Mm-hmm. So no one would really take advantage of all this equipment. So I ended up kind of getting close with the professor and he was really cool and he kind of mentored me in a lot of stuff. But one of the things I just did, I was like, I would just take out equipment, like take out these nice cameras and mm-hmm take out these dollies and tripods and stuff and just want to shoot stuff. So I was kind of doing that beforehand. And that was right around the time where I I started coming to Northgate and got, I met Anthony and stuff and started getting involved uh, in the church. And he was just like, he knew that I was into video stuff. He was like, Hey, do you want to, you want to try to do a video for (laughs) like not really knowing if I really had it in me, like if I could even do it, it might be, it might be, it might be crap, you know, it (laughs) could be like total garbage. You're going on on a limb for me to, you know, but yeah. So it was like, yeah. And that time it was like, it felt good that someone was taking a chance, like taking a chance by counting on my art was like a huge thing in my life.
yeah, how do you prepare yourself to go in to record a project? Mm-hmm. Um, when I came in to record uh, Joy and Sorrow Meet, um, we had kind of sent a lot of sound files back and forth, uh, Chris and I and you, and, and had spent some time um, honing some of these songs. But then it's like when you go into the studio, um, things can really change. You know, you might have an idea, like you have uh, chords and a melody, you know, and lyrics down, but how that's going to turn out in the studio, you know, uh, can be entirely different. So we wanted to go into the studio, though, with uh, without having a closed mind on how these things were going to turn out, you know. And uh, I think with Lay It Down in particular, we had spent maybe a couple of hours starting to track that song, and then we I think we realized we were going the wrong way with it, and uh, we wanted it to be more up-tempo. And in a lot of settings, that might not have worked to say, you know what, let's go back to square one and restart because we want to get this right or because we're finding our way. Um, but then we got out of it something that was awesome because we're willing to take the time to try something different and uh, and be willing to maybe go the wrong direction at first, but that would lead us to <laughs> what we really wanted out of it. So hmm. it's, it's tough because uh, you have to relinquish a little control in that. Like I'm, I have a new batch of songs and we're going to be, you know, uh, honing those down soon and, and taking those into the studio uh, in a few months, and I, I don't want to close fist those too much, you know, because I want to give the opportunity for uh, some really neat things to happen in the studio that only that can only happen if you come in with an open mind, and then, you know, um, one of the musicians brings across a really cool take on it, and it goes, you know, to left field where you never anticipated it, but then you're like, that was awesome, so... I try to have uh, the heart of the song and then just trust that we've got a good crew, a good group of musicians that are going to interpret it in a great way. I think when I think about your projects and I think about now the theme of all Old Bear projects are typically based around instruments that we've we've acquired. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, like we got an upright bass for Ryan Clare's project because we felt like, and so we obsessed over this upright, but getting this upright bass because it needed to be there for, um, legends project. It was obsessing over the human voice, Mm -hmm. the instrument of just like what, what can one or a group of voices, how can that change the landscape and be the foundation? And then I think of your Christmas project and it was based on, this Optagon keyboard that is this really obscure keyboard from like the 70s uh, that they don't make anymore from yeah. like a company called Mattel, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It was like a to- half toy, half instrument. And the, the <laughs> technology is super cool. And we did a Harmonize Sounds about this. So, um, you know, go to, the, go to our website, click on Harmonize Sounds and check out the Christmas version of Weston's thing because we talk about that, but it was based on this keyboard that we found on the side of the road. Actually, we liked the sound of it, and driving home from the studio one night, ironically, there was an Optagon sitting 
at, on the side of the road. Right. Ready to be thrown out. It's crazy. And my brother, uh, was it you? It was Ryan. Claire was in recording. Yeah. And Ryan was like, hey, I saw this old organ on the side of the road. That's right. And uh, Chris was like, sure, I'll take a look at it. And he was like, that's the organ we've been trying to get. Like he had bought one and it broke and stuff. And, and we were trying to get it for the project. And it was just like within like a month of needing it, like there it was sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> it's insane. This obscure, discontinued, yeah. like it, because they, it failed. Like it was a total, a totally bad business venture, you know, because it was really cheaply made. Because it was like some people thought it was a toy. But it was too expensive to like be a toy, you yeah. know, and uh, but the sounds that come out of it are great, like lo-fi. Uh, there are backing tracks, which are the is the prime value of it, uh, um, of recorded uh, like band backing tracks or a rhythm section or whatever, and they sound so crunchy and lo-fi and cool um, that th- we use that quite a bit on the Christmas album then. That's awesome. But yeah, just the, that obscure organ would be sitting on the side of the road, the one that we wanted and needed. Yeah, in our hometown. So it's just crazy to <laughs> that me. Crazy. That story always, you know, gets me. And it's basically this, it looks like plastic vinyl records. It's the shape of a vinyl record, but it's plastic. Uh, like a, almost, almost looks like a transparency, like an old transparency. Mm-hmm. It's got that thin plastic feel. Um, totally clear, but has these has this like imprint on it that when you slide it into the machine into the organ, it's almost like the old player pianos. It kind of mm-hmm. plays this thing, and as you press the keyboard, it creates the whole band for you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cool. Uh, it's insane, yeah. But but I think when it comes to our releases, we're always thinking in. Uh, instrument-based things, you know, like, man, how can we take that instrument and use that instrument as the theme for the whole thing? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I've, I've personally enjoyed that about, like, that Christmas project, thinking about, um, plus it sounds nostalgic. It's yeah. awesome. And it, you know, your Christmas project to me is uh, probably, and not just because I, I played on it, but probably because it's like <laughs> it's one of my favorite Christmas yes. records of all time. Yeah, uh, I because love it. just because of it, so it it throws everything at you that you want to have in your mind, like a, a I don't know, like a visual musical experience in your yeah. mind of just sitting around a Christmas tree and uh, old family, like watching old family footage of past Christmases and. Anyways, it's nostalgic for me in a lot of ways. There comes the only color on a monochrome plane. The landscape won't be barren forever. Soon the clover green will spread across the land. And the arms of the dogwood will blossom once again. So till the season begins to change. Across the rugged mountain range This winter song will carry me along The wind may howl all night And the frost try to bite The winter's never held 
sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about a special holiday sale going on at Old Bear right now. Right now, when you buy any Christmas album, you receive 50% off of any t-shirt. So when you buy any Christmas album, you receive 50% off of any t-shirt. Weston's Christmas album, Stories for Christmas, counts, as well as Brothers McClurg's album, Going Back to Bethlehem. This is great Christmas music, so do yourself a favor and head over to oldbearrecords.merchnow.com and take advantage of this deal just in time for the holidays. Yeah, it was that was just a cool experience, you know. He showed Weston showed up with a, his his personal Christmas tree because we <laughs> recorded that project in like the middle of summer. The heat. It was like a year ago, like maybe this week or or no, I guess it was August. Maybe. Okay, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was right before Kingdom Bound. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, it was like 90 degrees. We're all sweating. <laughs> uh, somebody who will remain nameless. Uh, uh, had his shirt off uh, while time. recording uh, <laughs> parts on it, and here we have like a Christmas tree and like pine scent and stuff like that, like floating through the air. But but Brennan did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Brennan did. A, I mean, he played drums. Brennan Blowers played drums on that. He's yeah. He played on a lot of the first, very first recordings that we've had mm-hmm. out of there. Um, just a simple drummer with a good feel. But also yeah. loves Christmas like to death. <laughs> yeah. But would often play with his shirt off. Yeah. Just yeah. because he's that it. way. Shirtless but, and, and Jeremy was shirtless playing at the bass <laughs> at one point as well. Yeah. Was, <laughs> but I you it's know, I look at that time, seen. you know, he brought his Christmas tree, set yeah. up his Christmas tree. You were there. And then, you know, we are is this a fun time? Uh th- yeah, that was a cool Experience. Oh yeah, we had like we had a uh, Christmas Elf miracle. And the Grinch and stuff like we were playing on a DVD player. It was a Christmas miracle. No, we had a Christmas miracle. Do you yeah. remember you found Josh's wallet? Right, right. My friend you, lost his wallet for weeks. Your buddy Josh had end. been there like a week before or something, and was like, "Hey, I can't find my wallet <laughs> anyway." So, so you're like, "Well, can we come by the studio?" And uh, lo and behold, it was in one of the side rooms, and I found it on the floor. Yeah, I was like, "Hey, is this anybody's?" Uh, <laughs> It was just, cr- yeah, it had been missing for like months and months and months. And oh, was it for that long? Huh? Yeah. Rumor has it's probably missing again. So. No, he found it in oh, Wegmans. Okay. Yeah, he left <laughs> it at Wegmans. Yeah, he's got And uh It's a massive, all right, here's the deal. It's massive. The wallet is massive. It's it like a George Costanza wallet. It doesn't fit in his pocket, so. What he needs to do is carry around an extra pair of shorts that he can keep it in. You know, um, you know what's funny? I, I was giving him a hard time about his wallet one time. I was like, why, you know, he, I was just like ripping on him. You need to get a smaller wallet, and, and and then Anth pulls out his wallet. Have you his wallet's like the size of a laptop case? Yeah, I notice well, you're always leaning. 
It's well, huge. it actually, I stopped carrying a wallet, and I graduated to, it's a, it's an iPad mini um, zipper case. What? <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. Oh, cool. Megphone and iPad mini zip, like a mini case that you like, uh, you could put, like, it's padded and stuff. Yeah. She thought it was cool. She didn't know. I don't think she realized it was an iPad mini thing, but she brought it home and was like, I think this is something you could. So, and I didn't use it forever. It sat at the studio. And then one day I was carrying around my like credit cards and my debit card and my money in my pocket. And I was like, and your I, should just, I should just put it in there because I, I didn't, I don't like carrying a wallet. I don't like having anything in my pockets. So now it's in my backpack, but yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. It looks like a like purse. It looks like a purse. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Not be that fair. there's anything wrong with that. No, no, that's fine. No. To each their Today, own. In today's day and age, it's cool to carry a purse. I mean, you'll probably graduate next to a man satchel. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. Still seeking Those who lay down their Share with us a little bit about some maybe maybe two life changing songs or bands that you would attribute some of your you know like what gave you some inspiration to be who you are as a musician. Um, only two. Only two. Please kidding. limit it to two. <laughs> <laughs> well, going into Joy and Sorrow Me, I was kind of searching for what. Uh, kind of what my sound was or what direction I should go. I had recorded a project before and uh, wasn't quite comfortable with my voice and, and stuff like that. You know, I have like a lot of vibrato and like a lot of people talk to me about like singing smoother and more like pop-like and, you know, you get a lot of advice on how to be successful in like the CCM market or how to be successful on the radio or, you know, things like that. And so I was kind of like, didn't know where I wanted to go. And, uh, Chris, uh, was great in coming alongside and, and like championing, um, what he saw in, uh, in my sound and, and basically saying, be free to be you and he was sharing records with me like by guys like Damien Gerardo who's a, a folk singer who he has just like a really spare um, acoustic album that uh, is just him you know in a very hushed way uh, singing quietly and and really like tenderly you know um, and and playing his uh, acoustic guitar and and uh, 
Chris was like, I can see you doing that a lot. And that's not super like pop or marketable or radio friendly, but he was like, use your voice and what's natural for you, you know, and, uh, and emote, you know, uh, and express yourself. And uh, we'll do this project around something that's really raw and like folky like that and in your wheelhouse rather than me trying to, you know, maybe sound like somebody else. So we got into, um, we got into like old folk albums like that and uh, old gospel albums. I, my background is like growing up in a traditional church. So I like, you know, I'm so bathed in the hymns and those chord, you know, progressions and stuff from like hymns and gospel music. And, and so that's really where my, where my strength was, was to go that direction. And, uh, you guys helped me kind of carve that out, you know, in, in making that album. That's what was so exciting. Drawing Sorrow Meat was like, oh yeah, I was starting to hit my stride in, yeah, this is me. Yeah, this is me, you know. was like oh mercy like by bob dylan with like daniel onois mm-hmm. uh, produced that and like just there were so many cool sounds in that but it sounded like a band in a room making real music you know um and yet there was still experimentation and like atmospheric things going on um that's cool yeah those are both great references dame second two two for damien Drado. two for damien Drado. damien if you're listening there you go yep. we love you come on the show sometime yeah, that'd be awesome what about um what about your new songs is can you tell us anything about oh yeah about your 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 next your next thing and any thematic or anything you want to share about that as far as like where the new material is coming from it's 2018 has been uh, a crazy year for us uh we had this year uh, adopted again uh, my daughter Amara, and uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of joy uh, in my heart coming from that. Um, but also, both of my grandpas uh, passed away within the last couple of months, um, so uh, there's a lot of heaviness in my heart for things like that. So there are some there are some heavy uh, themes coming out you know and uh and so I'm kind of writing from writing from that place of acknowledging uh a lot of the pain in our lives you know um and one thing that I wanted to do um that I did recently was write a song where I don't fix anything because it's really easy for us in gospel music or Christian music is like Mm -hmm. uh, in all other music if things are bad you talk about how things are bad and you leave it there and in the Psalms, I think a lot of times David does that. He doesn't yeah. always resolve happy. Yeah. So I was like, I need to write a song where things aren't better at the end. Hmm. Things will be better at another point in the album or in another song. But, you know, so thoughts like that have been kind of informing this new project. That sounds cool. Can't wait for that. Yeah. 
I, I think that's that takes a lot of courage too to like just let the song be an accurate representation of where you are at the moment. Maybe I should ache a little more for the pain in the world For the bombs and the bullets and the hate that continue to whirl For the woman I pass on the east side each morning Carrying her heels home in shame Maybe I should ache a little more for the pain in the world Maybe I should weep a little more well, do you want to share with us, like, we ask, oh, we've been asking this question to kind of sum up or wrap up, um, you know, what is an organization or uh, cause that you think is kind of cool that has nothing uh, to do with your music or, you know, uh, <laughs> you're not getting any monetization from it, you know, <laughs> for saying Well, it. if you go to my Patreon page, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I, I have a, my wife and I have a big heart for adoption, and uh, it's part of our story. And uh, so I would encourage people um, to, you know, maybe find a local adoption agency or something and, uh, and go to a fundraiser that they may have. Uh, it's something that we do. Uh, our adoption agency that we've gone through is called Caring for Kids, and it's in Ohio. Uh, but I know it's local, and not everybody listening to this can go there. Um, but... Uh, if you find a local adoption agency in your area, and maybe not everybody can adopt, but you know there are fundraiser dinners and and different things you can do uh, to support um, to support them. And uh, I'm gonna look real quick and get you a, a link to um, oh, it's called Life Song for Orphans. It was a place that uh, provided a grant to us for uh, for when we adopted Amara. So that's an agency that you could donate to. Uh, life song for orphans and uh, they provided us a grant to help us with our adoption so uh, that's cool. I'd love to point people to yeah, places that is, like that's that awesome. check that out and yeah we'll put that in the show notes on our website a link to that so if you're interested just head over to our website and uh, find the podcast episode with Weston and we can put a link to life song for orphans there yeah Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for coming. Glad to be here. Yes. Yes. Thank you for listening to Baritone Podcast. Check out the show notes for links to Weston's music and other information relevant to this episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review and let us know what you think. You can also email us at baritonepodcast at gmail.com and give us any suggestions you may have or even tell us that we're doing a good job, <laughs> if that's what you feel. Um, thank you to Sarah Bridgman for creating the artwork for the show and thanks to Anthony Hoisington for helping produce this show. And thank you, Weston, for taking the time to chat with us. So keep an eye out for more episodes and content in the future, and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.